Hey, welcome to Two Age Sojourner, and thanks for joining us this week. Uh, stay tuned. going on not too much how are you mike doing good uh things are moving along nicely um stoked to be back in the saddle just kind of finally over this cold man i've been uh oh yeah we got sunshine in in new zealand it's beautiful it's uh it's happening everyone's going crazy that's why there's so much noise there's so much noise outside there's kids on trampolines there are builders (laughs) there are i mean even the the sounds of insects you know, it makes podcasting a very, very torturous task, but oh, I'm sure we're all feeling healthy and we're quite excited down here in New Zealand right now. That's great. I'm really glad to hear that. Totally. We're about to get our first snow on Wednesday. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, you guys, so Grass Valley, California, I mean, is that diff- is that different from the normal Californian kind of terrain? climate definitely i mean you say california people think you know the beaches of los angeles um we're at about three thousand feet so we get three or four snows a year wow that's crazy and then does it get how hot does it get um it because you had five hits we had to cancel a podcast (laughs) because you had to evacuate which is kind of crazy yeah so when it stops raining, then everything gets really dry and it's really easy for fires to catch and spread. Um, it gets to be a hundred, maybe a few times a year. Hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know how to translate that into Celsius, but it sounds, it sounds crazy. It gets uncomfortable. It sounds like Mars <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, so what do you prefer winter or summer? I had my fill of heat growing up in Phoenix, Arizona, so I I prefer winter. Yeah, totally. I feel that. Good. Oh, man. All right. So on that topic, exactly, we're going to cross over (laughs) to our look at uh, uh, who's this guy, Gamble, who wrote a bit of a thing on the, um, let me just pull up the article, the, the, what what was it called again? The report on republication, uh, the Orthodox Presbyterian church's report on publication. This was a while ago. When did that thing come out? The actual report? Um, is that like three, four years ago? Five years ago? Gosh. Uh, 2016. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. We started the glory cloud podcast in 2016 and the report had come out just before we started. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's hardly cutting edge breaking news anymore. But um, it's just something we haven't really dealt with. And what I've, you know, just come to appreciate about that study is that it just really looks at one of some of the main, you know, I mean, I suppose not everything uh, to do with Klein, but just some of the more important stuff as relating to um, his covenant theology and the way that that's going to then roll out in all these other sectors of thought. And um, and uh, really, it is the linchpin behind so much, certainly on the two kingdom angle. I mean, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, if this is a... Uh, unique thing going on with Israel and theocracy, then that's going to affect everything by way of cultural paradigm. So, um, you know, it's, it's just, it tends to be a big thing, but I know they're not looking at it necessarily from the two kingdom angle angle. They're just looking at it. Um, you know, is it in alignment with, uh, really the Westminster? So I know we've, we've Mm -hmm. talked about that and had a few comments. Um, now we're, we're looking, I mean, we could actually, Maybe we will down the line go ahead and look at the actual report, which I think is available on the OPC website. 
Yes. Um, it's all just there and on a website web page. So you can go if you're listening. You can go have a look at that. Um, I don't know if everyone's going to have access to um, the article. I don't know. Is the Reformed Presbyterian Theological Journal freely available, Chris? I'm not sure. Well, I just googled um, Richard Gamble Brilliant. report on Republication Galaxy, and it came right up. So. And it came up the whole thing. Oh, have you got? Have you mm-hmm. got like one of the little subscriptions there with them? Oh. You got half of it. Oh, I got to the bottom. You must have a subscription and be tagged uh, and be logged in to read the entire article. So, all right. Well, I'll, I was wrong. <laughs> I'll flick you mine. And uh, that should be sweet. No, you I, could just shoot me an email real quick. Let me do if you're that. logged into your yeah. email. Um, oh, my. This God. is the exciting stuff that people tune into the podcast <laughs> for right here. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, there we go. Christopher Kai. Okay, right. Um, and attach file, attach freaking file, go, go. <laughs> All right. That's coming your way at record speed. Um, so that probably, I'm not sure, you know, maybe, you know, if listeners could have a little, uh, you know, just Google around, see it probably will be out there somewhere. I'm not sure, but I've just got it on the galaxy thing and I've got a, got a subscription for it. So, um, um, anyway, so that'll make this more valuable, you know, we'll talk it through. And, uh, you know, it'll just make it that much more uh, accessible. Um, But anyways, what I thought about doing is it's just a helpful little summary of the debate and the history of the whole thing. And uh, and then he actually does just just do some legwork on what they actually said and their conclusions, which I think we already know and we'll be able to just, you know, not necessarily engage with too much right now. But um, I'm really interested in that, just those first few paragraphs as he just outlines the history. I know you've got all the insight there as well. And, um, and so, you know, let's just talk that through. Let's just, um, you know, okay. hopefully that's interesting for people that are uh, interested in this whole uh, Klein republication debacle. Um, it's interesting. I mean, just because they mentioned antinomians here, that's your forte, that's your history thing coming through, you know. Um, right. And then uh, the other thing is that they mention. Um, I know we spoke about this before, but what what is your view? Just just jumping right ahead of you. Are you do you feel? I mean, are you the subservient view guy, or are you the administration administrative republication guy? I should know this about you. See, I don't think that the. <laughs> uh, I think that the subservient view that was articulated in the 17th century is closer to Klein than what they're calling the administrative view. But I think Lee was spot on with his analysis that they're leaving out what Klein's view really is, which is a typological. Um, yes. There's no category for typology. Oh, in brilliant. The okay, good. So, um, yeah, because that's exactly what I was reading. I was thinking the whole way through. I was like, this is so frustrating because they've just, uh, they've, mm-hmm. you know, put you on the horns of a false dilemma. And uh, you've, right. got, you've got this middle way that's been so beautifully carved out there, uh, which was the genius of Klein's system. And um, and really, that's why you can talk about a covenant of grace in a typologic, a typological administrative sense. But it's it's not quite the administration they're talking about. You know, we want some subservience in there. So um, you know, yeah, totally. Okay, that's good to hear. All right, well, we'll come back to that. But let's just set it up in terms of this thing. Um, just open up the article. Um, it's so this is uh, Richard Gamble. Do you know who he is? You ever heard of him? Yes, um, he's actually quite a well-known churchman. Um, when I was uh, looking into doing an internship in the OPC as I was graduating from Westminster, I met him. He was part of the committee that 
um, organized those kinds of things. This Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary, it seems very, very Reformed Presbyterian Theological. Which sounds, by, by name, like it's a part of the Reformed Presbyterian Church in North America, the RPCNA, which tends uh, to be uh, exclusive psalmody. Yeah, um, that was the kind of thing. And they actually have had like restrictions on what you can do um, politically, which is really odd. But uh, anyway. Really? Well, that, that would explain the <laughs> like wanking you can't... thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow. All right, cool. Well, anyways, there's a little bit of background. So that's this guy um, who is summarizing this whole thing. All right. So he says, the goal of this paper is twofold. First, it seeks to trace the history of debate within the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, over the issue of the republication of the Covenant of Works. Second, it seeks to summarize the recent report of the OPC committee to study republication. So kind of that first part that I was interested in there. Um, so he labels the first part a contentious debate. All substantive or substantive theological debates have a traceable history. The historical roots of the report of the OPC on republication in the Covenant of Works are found in the early days of Westminster Seminary, Philadelphia. Two OPC professors at the seminary, John Murray and Meredith Klein, did not see eye to eye on the nature of the Old Testament covenants. Eventually, the more junior professor, Klein, left Westminster in 1965 to teach at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He flourished while there, and subsequent to his retirement from Gordon-Conwell, he brought his mature teaching to Westminster Seminary Escondido, where he taught for another 20 years. His book-length publications spanned four decades. So I found that quite helpful in terms of just the timeline and, oh yeah, all right, so Klein was Murray's junior and they taught together for a while. See, all that kind of stuff is, you know, I just need to constantly, I don't know the timeline <laughs> well enough. It's all just the splurge, you know? So that sort of thing helps me out a lot. Um, but then he says, Klein was a controversial figure during his lifetime. His approach to the Old Testament covenants generated much discussion. No small part of this controversy stemmed from his strong objections to Greg Bonson's teaching on theonomy, an issue closely related to one's understanding of the covenant. Controversy over Klein's theology escalated in 2004 when D. Patrick Ramsey wrote an article for the Westminster Theological Journal critiquing Klein's view of the relationship between the Adamic uh, covenant works and a uh, covenant of works and the Mosaic covenant. So now this is what I want. I didn't know that either. I didn't realize Ramsey was so instrumental. Is that true? I, I mean, the way I read that sentence mm -hmm. is that Gamble is seeing D. Patrick Ramsey as championing Gamble's okay. own convictions on this. Right. I had no idea that the article had even been written until I did my PhD. Right. That's how much of a splash it made for me. <laughs> I get that puts it into perspective. Good. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cause I, I felt the same way. I mean, I was just kind of hunting around in the, in the, um, you know, in weird sort of obscure parts of the annals of, of journal, you know, <laughs> archives there, there lay his article in it. And it was, you know, it was obviously a full scale attack on Klein, but, um, you know, yeah, I wouldn't have thought it'd be the whole thing. So, I mean, maybe, you know, what we've discussed before, I think, is just the Norman Shepard thing, the way his, you know, certainly Bonson, you know, no doubt about that, in that that's bringing all this, you know, this uh, mosaic covenant stuff to the fore. And uh, Klein's obviously at that point taking what was maybe a little bit more latent in his, um, in his system 
and you know shoving it in Bonson's face and saying no ways this is why you're wrong and then that's as we said you know the whole frame thing trying to soften it out and that's bringing an even uh, sharper edge to what Klein's saying and uh, he's not allowing people to throw him back into those categories and so you know I would see Bonson certainly as being a major kind of I don't know, catalyst, if that's the word, to, to just bring out the controversy. But um, and maybe also later on, as you pointed out in your book, you know, the Norman Shepard thing where Murray's... It wasn't so much with Murray himself, though, right? If I got that right. I mean, they just so had... So Klein, yeah. Klein sees the problem with Murray being that he left the door open yeah. for, for Shepard. And Shepard really did the major damage. And what was their relationship like? I mean, would they have... Because, I mean, if they had actually... I didn't even realize they had spoken and talked so much and talked together, really. Um, you know, would they have been civil toward one another or was it like full-scale antipathy at that point already? Yeah, the the atmosphere was so different then than it is now. Um, they knew that they each took very different positions and they disagreed with each other, but they were still able to, like you said, be civil and mm. um, be churchmen uh, mm. shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Okay, so because as I understand it, really, I mean, beyond the Bonson thing, the the thing that really brought, as you said, you know, that open door of of Murray's theology out uh, with uh, Norman Shepard would really only have materialized once Murray was. I mean, was he even alive at that point? Was he at the point of Norman Shepard controversy? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was. He was um, dead by then. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's almost like the. John Murray thing, just because, um, you know, what does he say? They didn't see eye to eye. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then eventually uh, Klein goes off and um, and then the catalyst happens when Patrick Ramsey writes an article, which is just like, what? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I think probably the better timeline there would be, and this is just for anyone that's interested, Okay, Ramsey was obviously just stirring the pot at some level, but but you already had Bonson's thing full scale. Um, and, and then, um, you know, had the Norman Shepard thing happened at that point? Yes. Uh, I mean, the Norman Shepard uh, controversy really got started late 70s, early 80s wow. at Westminster, Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, and Bonson was a student of Shepard's. So oh, you can see. see the genetics of all this. All right. Cool. So when did, uh, did, so who got in trouble first, Bonson or Shepard? Shepard got in trouble. Um, and then Bonson had already been writing, but, um, his views really exploded, I think, in the 80s, which is when Klein really started going. I mean, yeah, when you see comments on an old new error by yeah. Klein, that's in the 80s. Yeah, true. Okay. Right. Interesting. Okay. So I didn't realize Bonson was under Shepard as well. Dude, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Well, that's like very, very explicit then. <laughs> it's, yes. you know, it's like you don't, you don't need to have any guesses left there. I mean, so he's basically taking that Mona Covenantal thing and just rolling with it at the end of the day and just coming up he's like wait exactly. a minute why aren't we just going full-scale theocracy why aren't we just <laughs> you know which is just right at the end of the day if you're going to buy into that system so yeah that makes perfect sense um okay cool so you've got that going on and then uh yeah and then patrick ramsey chimes in with his with his thing <laughs> whatever that is um all his right contribution his yes. contribution <laughs> exactly uh <laughs> And then, as you said, um, what's I haven't read it yet, but um, what's the guy's name again? Ferry, Ferry, someone or other. Um, Brenton Ferry. Brenton Ferry. Yes. Do you know him? Who wrote a very helpful um, taxonomy of different views of the Mosaic Covenant for I think it was um, was it the Laws Not of Faith? 
Oh, uh, yes. Okay. That's where I know him from. Good. Yeah. Um, okay. And then he responded to Patrick Ramsey at some point. So I haven't read that. Have you read that? Correct. You haven't read it yet. I haven't. I just um, realized it. Totally. All right. So we, we might come back to that. Maybe we'll look at Patrick Ramsey's article. Might even give him a little limelight here in a, you know, <laughs> just with our uh, massive audience, you know, <laughs> you know, just help him out a little bit, put him on the map. Right. Patrick Ramsey. <laughs> and, uh, and then maybe even go on to looking at some of uh, the response by Ferry. That'd be interesting. But um, anyway, so he says, uh, subsequent to Ramsey's article, Klein's students at Escondido, as well as others influenced by his writings, began to come into their own relative to understanding the relationship between the Adamic and Mosaic covenants. Hmm. Okay. Uh, in 2009, three Westminster, California faculty members published a collection of essays on the topic, The Law is Not of Faith. That's what we just referred to. Um, the, vo the volume argued in favor of the Mosaic Covenant as, in some sense, a republication of the Adamic Covenant of Works. Thus, they advocate the position that the Covenant of Works is, in some sense, echoed or republished in the Mosaic Covenant given at Sinai. Now, how does... Um, how does that differ from where the OPC report ended up? Well, I mean, the were you happy with that book? The law is not a faith. Yes, I okay. am. Although you have to realize that each chapter is contributed by um, a different author, and not all of them agree with each other about yeah. <laughs> in what sense the Mosaic Covenant is a republication. Right. right. Um, but yeah, I think it's a very helpful book. Okay, cool. And um, okay, so I suppose they didn't bring any further definition. Did they allow for a typological sort of approach there in, in that book? Um, yes. Um, and the more exegetical contributors really um, help the reader to see that typological thing. There, you know, there were some historical theological essays and uh, I think via systematic one or two. Hmm. Um, but... Yeah. Um, in fact, Brian Estelle, hmm. who was one of the contributors to that book, was also one of the people yeah. on the um, Republication Committee. That's crazy. That must have been. So where did he end up? Uh, I haven't read his essay. I mean, he, was he one of the more exegetical guys in uh, in uh, that, that Law is Not a Faith book? Yes. And he oh. teaches Old Testament at Westminster. Totally, yeah. In Escondido. Right. And so I imagine he would have landed in a good place. Uh, I haven't read that article yet, yes. but but um, yeah, that must have been quite torturous for him to be on the OPC report. I mean, did he get his voice in there, or did did it get drowned out? What happened there? You know, these things are so political. They're trying to, um, usually the the goal is to produce a document that um, allows as many people to stay in as possible. You right. know, they're not trying to excommunicate. Yeah large swaths of the church. Right, right. They didn't really so, achieve that with that document, though, did they? I mean, they kind of... I don't... Man, they, they really just... They, it's almost like they took everyone who actually cares about Klein and and basically, you know, any, anyone else can stay except you guys. You know? So right, if you're willing exactly. to just not really be too interested in, in Klein and just read him in a weird way, um, you can stay. Otherwise, off you go, kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's telling that a lot of the OPC pastors who were really advocating for republication before this report was written have since left the OPC. Oh, man. Okay. That was my next question. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Um, does, is Todd still in the OPC, by the way? 
He is. Yep. He's like he's like a climbing um, cruiser. He's like he, one of those stealth guys. <laughs> it's like Klein himself. Well, he's also in a he's also in a very um, easygoing presbytery, which uh, is becoming harder and harder to find. Okay. Yeah, interesting. A lot of presbyteries are getting very polarized. Right. And uh, Daryl Hot is he still in the IPC? He is. Um, a different and you know. He he strikes me as the guy who is gonna die in the OPC, even if, um, well, I guess maybe not if they excommunicate him. Then technically he would be out. Yeah. But, <laughs> so, um, I hope that never happens. But yeah, yeah. He I I don't know what presbytery he's in, but um, he he's a staunch diehard lifer. Totally, and he makes it what he lacks in the whole, you know clan thing in their view I'm, I'm sure he makes up for in other areas you know with his his uh just yeah as you say kind of a diehard opc stylistic everything you know just oh, he's the package deal he's he's the guy that that wants everyone to be opc um i remember reading an article it was so funny in, in this really liberal like university published uh, thing about inerrancy and inspiration and everyone's just raking in inner inerrancy like oh what a pathetic idea da, 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 da. you know and then along comes his article and he's like the reason everyone is so blind and stupid is because they don't have a confession and they need one to understand anything <laughs> he's just like so everyone in this book <laughs> has just been really stupid and so he just like nails it completely <laughs> That's so good. I mean, somehow he's just like lurking in the university world and putting out this like crazy confessional material. I don't know. Don't know how he does it. He's he's like immune. He's impervious to um, the kind of hatred that is out there for yeah, yeah. <laughs> the stuff we're talking about. I suppose he's he's not really in the seminary world, is he? It's not. It's like maybe that helps a little bit. Just broadens it out. True. You know, like you get almost. I think get his last seminary out. gig was. Which was sorry. that? The, the last seminary gig? Was that Escondido? Was. At, yeah. Yeah. And after that, I think he. He did like some independent institute thing and now he's at Hillsdale College. Yeah. Because, I mean, then you just like no one really cares anyway. You do your thing. It's pretty awesome. Right. Universities. You gotta right. love it. Um, all right. Cool. <laughs> so uh, this volume. Uh, next paragraph there. This volume revealed that the disconnect between Klein and Murray on the covenants would continue long after their deaths. Murray's position on the covenant was attacked in The Law is Not of Faith. Murray had argued that it was a grave misconception to view the Mosaic Covenant as a repetition of the covenant of works. In response, republication advocates argue that Murray proposed an unbiblical monocovenantal framework. They argue, for example, that given his view of the Adamic and Mosaic covenants, Murray could not understand uh, the theology of Galatians. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I agree with that. <laughs> um, in I mean, I, I, yeah, and this is, have you read, by the way, the whole um, uh, the new one on Galatians? Have you got it with you right there? Ah, look at that. Man. I'm working on it. I, I've, um, Thomas Law of Faith. It's sitting on my shelf too. I've got it, so I'm... I'm looking forward to getting into that one. I want to kind of wait till I'm in the right headspace, you know, because it's just one of those books you want to like 
basically memorize. And um, yeah, and so it's it's not one of those easy reading books for me. I'm sort of saving it, saving it for the moment. But I, I always do that. I save books and then I end up reading them too late. I should just do it. Oh. Do, that's what I do with much of your podcast stuff on, on Glory Cloud as well. I'm like, oh, I can't listen to this now. I'm in the right headspace. I need to pay careful attention. <laughs> and then I, I end up just falling behind. I need a change in strategy. I need to just listen anyway and then re-listen. I think that's the better, the better approach. I need to, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, read this book by David T. Gordon. What's his name? T. David Gordon. T. David Gordon. I always get that wrong. Um, T. David Gordon. And, uh, and then I'll reread it. I think that's the way I should approach it. You know, skim and then go deep. That's what we need. That's right. Um, all right. Well, we'll come back to that book for Sean. Have you and Todd dealt with it at all? No, but we're hoping to interview him soon. Oh, so my goodness. I need to get amazing. my act together and finish reading. Dude, that is incredible. Good. Um, all right. So we, uh, that Galatians thing. Okay. In contrast to Murray's supposed Mona covenantalism, Brian Lee recalls that... Who's Brian Lee again? Um, he... Went to Westminster Seminary, California. He's now uh, a minister in the URC. All right. Good guy or bad guy? Same one as Horton and Clark. Uh, I think he's a good guy, so I'm kind of curious to see where the sentence goes here. All right. Brian Lee recalls that Klein taught the interwoven nature of works and grace in the mosaic economy. All right. So he's talking about early Klein, right? Yes. That would be like both consigned. Yeah. And that's like really prior to prior to Bonson. Even. Well, I mean, or, I could see, I could see describing Klein's view that way. I mean, Klein sees the covenant of grace as continuous, even through the Mosaic covenant. All right. Yeah. But he enough. also sees it. Yeah. So, I mean, at the same time, you've got works and grace. Going That's on. true. That's true. So that never really changes, you know, no matter what ebbed and flowed in Klein's sort of thinking or sharpened up, uh, the genius of his system really was that he never really let go of the covenant of grace which is the whole point you know this is um it made it possible for you to see the covenant of grace as moving through the whole thing and um right. and yet not not lose the law gospel um distinction you know uh, as as you should exactly uh, or as as one should hold it so um yeah all right let's keep let's keep going with that then um, uh, so he, he's just pointing that out probably this, uh, Brian Lee guy, uh, other books soon argued for a construct construct similar to that found in the law is not of faith in 2011, OPC minister and Westminster seminary, uh, Philadelphia professor, Greg Beale produced uh, a new Testament biblical theology. Have you read that? I mean, that's really cool that they yes. side him with Klein on this. Before he even started writing it, I remember him. Uh, saying that his his goal for this project was to finish what Voss started. I mean, when you read wow. Voss's Old Testament um, and New Testament biblical theology, the New Testament section is super thin, and mm. it's like he teases some ideas, and then uh, and then that's it. Yeah. And so Beale really wants to Brilliant. develop everything that Voss should have done in that. Wow. Okay, that's excellent. And um, and I love the fact that he's at Philadelphia as well. You know, mm -hmm. just kind of kicking around there and with all those minor covenantalists. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Cool. Um, so Greg Beale, excellent. Um, yeah, Beale uh, also observed a republication of the covenant of works in the Mosaic Covenant that furthers the post-Lapsarian covenant of grace. The following year, yet another book appeared that furthered the debate on the relationship between the Adamic and Mosaic Covenants, Michael G. Brown and Zach Hill's Sacred Bond Covenant Theology Explored. 
They too argued for a republication of the covenant of works in the mosaic economy. So I would have thought that would be more along, you know, a popular theology kind of contribution there, right? Not not so much a yeah, you know, in the same category of Beale, um, right? You know, furthering the whole thing because there've been a whole bunch of books, not just Sacred Bond. I mean, Horton, right? Horton was out. I mean, he put out his thing that was explicit as well. True. I mean, yeah, Horton's had plenty to say about it. I'm really surprised he doesn't mention doesn't get a mention. Name. Yeah. Um, there's a book that, you know, you and I have discussed on this uh, podcast that also covers that issue quite extensively. Yeah. I mean, this guy is like insanely good. This author guy that <laughs> we, <laughs> I mean, it's like I once knew a man in Christ, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, whether he was in the body or outside the body, I do not know when he, when he received these revelations. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so, yeah, totally. Chris's book, I mean, perhaps most explicitly on, on the recovenant, on the, on the republication thing. I mean, I don't think, um, from what I can think, I mean, you're, you're probably the major book out there. Maybe, maybe Horton is the only other alternative I can think of in terms of actually just dedicating it massive amount of space to the idea of republication and how it works mm-hmm. you know I, well, I suppose it's in there with sacred bond as well but that's more just an overview i, I saw you know um but anyway so yes yeah, i mean definitely michael brown's on the team zach hill yep very good they too argued for a, re- a republication of the covenant of works in the mosaic economy right at westminster seminary california Oh, David Van Drunen. This guy's my new favorite guy, by the way. I got a man crush on David Van Drunen. An editor and contributor to The Law is Not a Faith. Published a large volume entitled Divine Covenants and Moral Order, A Biblical Theology of Natural Law. Now, I'm halfway through that book right now. And uh, it's incredibly good. It's incredibly good. I finished reading the the History of of Natural Law and the Two Kingdoms one. Uh, Also, just insane brilliant excellent page turning awesomeness and then uh this one is just like wow so basically i mean it's yeah it's totally just a it's just a a furtherance of clients thinking uh, and it's so helpful because we've actually talked about some of this stuff i've had these lingering questions around natural law you know mm-hmm. and just how it all works and you know what about that theocracy thing and how do you want to you know bring that through and um and he's just very aware of all of that which is great he deals with all of those things in in the book and uh, whether you end up going with his exact formulation or not, it's um, it's just helpful. He runs it all the way through in great detail, like immense amounts of detail. And um, yeah, it's just a man, fantastic book. So uh, yeah, amen. He gets a mention. Um, and how it's just like I'm amazed how the way he, how did he do that? How did he do that history? I mean, firstly, I mean, he's got like three things going on. He's got that popular Two Kingdoms book which is just awesome. Again, mm-hmm. it's just a great summary of everything. And I, I, I said the other day uh, to someone, together with your book, that's now become my Kleinian introduction. <clears throat> I, I get people to read mm-hmm. Van Drunen and you because, um, in fact, I was just recently at the Acts 29 conference and said this because the the first half of uh, Van Drunen's book is literally an explicit sort of just like pull straight out of Klein, except he's great at just uh, phrasing it in a very simple, understandable way. And so you just have a summary of Klein's theology. It's 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 amazing. So you know, and then he, and then he did that full on historical thing. Plus he got his law degree. You know, know. plus he's like done this exegetical craziness. I mean, like you know, you would you would have thought that that would be a life project on its own. Um, you know, it's like five hundred pages. 
I mean, what the heck is wrong with this guy? I don't it's know just, how he does it. It's amazing. And then He's you got machine. like journal journal articles coming out, you know, left, right, and center. Oh man, amazing. Some people, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's almost like Jordan Cooper when he gets to the age of 40. <laughs> I mean, I like Jordan wrote like what five books before he turned 16. That's how you know. <laughs> oh man. Anyway. All right. Um However, Van Drunen subsequently replied that he hardly... Oh, okay, well, this is, a, this is a good one. Uh, sorry, I, I skipped the line there. In a review, fellow OPC minister in Westminster Seminary, Philadelphia professor Carl Truman argued that Van Drunen's understanding of the Mosaic Covenant is a republication of the covenant of creation. In other words, Sinai is reduced to a republication. So that would be like the total subservient crazy view, right? That would be what he's arguing for there, I think. However, Van Drunen subsequently replied that he heartily rejected the position that Truman posited, uh, and and uh, or that he espoused, that he espoused. Sorry, in response, Truman simply conceded that his public his published analysis of Van Drunen was wrong on those points. So that's another wow. thing that makes Van Drunen a gangster. He's just like I didn't do it, <laughs> and then Truman rolls over, which he not which he. <laughs> Truman doesn't do that normally. No, so you, no. you only roll over when gangsters are in town. That's that's what just <laughs> happened there. Um, so where is Truman at? What's his deal? I don't even know. Sometimes I think he's... he's where is he at theologically? Where is he in relation to the Klein Mosaic republication thing? Oh, uh, I would think that he wouldn't be too friendly. He was... Um, he was at Westminster, Philadelphia for a long time, and I don't know the politics of why yeah. he was shown yeah. the door, but uh, mm. I don't think his sympathies regarding Westminster East have changed. I think okay. He, okay. He, yeah, interesting. he would be with Gaffin. Totally. All right. Well, anyways, all of this, all of this um, leads to the actual... Um, OPC report, right? So he says, thus, <clears throat> in the fall of 2015, the OPC had two seminary professors who either did not understand each other or did not comprehend the full depth of the nuances of the various arguments on the nature of these covenants. Such a situation called for a thorough and serious study paper on the issue of the republication of the covenant of works. You're shaking your head. You th <laughs> is that uh, disbelief? This or? is... Yeah, this is what he thinks is the cause of the report. Yeah, so that, I uh, wanted to ask you about that. Uh, what happened was there was... Listen up, um, Gamble. Chris is about to tell you what's up. <laughs> well, I mean, and this is common knowledge. I'm really honestly surprised that Gamble didn't even mention what I'm about to say. Mm -hmm. But um, it really started with... Uh, <clears throat> sorry about my voice. <laughs> Jim Dennison... Jim had been the librarian yes. at Westminster Seminary, California, when I was there. Okay. Um, constantly at odds with Godfrey. Um, the two of them were not friends at all. Hmm. Um, and, and Dennison was a diehard um, friend of Norman Shepard. So uh, I was always very aware of that, hmm. but, but trying to learn from Dennison about biblical theological preaching. And I do feel like... Um, I gained a lot mm. from just his homiletics. Right. Um, but he left during my last year at Westminster and went up to the Northwest, up to the state of Washington, mm -hmm. where there were lots of other um, 
ministers in the OPC who were very sympathetic to uh, Denison's preaching program and um, apparently also his, the, uh, you know, his covenant theology and stuff like that. Mm. And um, Denison sent an overture to the, the OPC, the General Assembly, because um, apparently it had gone through whatever it needed to go through at the presbytery level that he sent, he sent an overture to the General Assembly and said, this needs a study committee to make a decision about the republication mm. issue. Uh, so, I mean, it, um, that's, that's what caused all of this. And I don't, <laughs> I'm really surprised that that overture doesn't even get a mention here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's a big miss. Um, but that's exactly why I wanted to talk to you about this stuff because, um, you know, that, I mean, <laughs> it's just, you're in the know. And, um, and so that's super interesting. Um, it kind of makes me want to read the, the, the rest of it. I was kind of going to, you know, bunk the rest of it and go, well, you know, we can actually read the OPC report or whatever. But it'd be interesting to get your take on what, what his summary was as well. Uh, maybe we can come back to that at some other point. But, I mean, that's great. That's a helpful little uh, overview of the bait. That, that definitely um, that's helped me a lot just to put it all together. And um, I think for anyone who ever cares about Kleinian theology, I mean, this is just going to be a thing forever and ever now. You're just going to always have to refer to this at some level um, because a lot was said. And uh, it'll, it'll form, I suppose, the, you know, what people will go away with, certainly in, in these denominations where a lot of the, mm. the action is happening. So, um, yeah, let's drop it there, man. That was a good, good talk. Appreciate it. Um, and we'll, we'll uh, come back to, we'll figure out what we're doing for the next week. I'm not going to make any promises. I've, I've, learned, I've learned not to do that <laughs> because who knows what will happen. Chris might have a nice, another forest fire. We might have to evacuate. We might have Armageddon. <laughs> we might have Harmageddon. Who knows? <laughs> so anyway. hopefully with the snow the fire danger is over for this year yeah there we go you might have avalanches though chris <laughs> who knows what's going on in crazy northern california that's uh, right bear attacks do you get that <laughs> bear attack well we have we do have a bear in the neighborhood so wow see All right. so <laughs> how far are you from like what is that yosemite forest park thing is that north or not or a couple couple hours uh north of there um i don't know if you've heard of lake tahoe but we're okay. about an hour hour and a half from lake tahoe i remember having to sleep in one of those tents in yosemite and they were like freaking out about bears that weekend <laughs> they're just like bears uh -oh. were on the loose and <laughs> and so all, i'm like dude i've never even seen a bear i don't know what i'd do if i saw a bear i'd be like please just you know, give me a hotel. I'm done with nature. <laughs> California's too crazy for me. Um, anyways, cool. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Let's drop it there and uh, we'll catch up next week. All right. Thanks, Mike. Mm -hmm.